Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, and I'm here with executive producer <laughs> Scott McNulty, who, like every man in Hollywood, like every executive producer, is sitting across the table rubbing his nipples. Uh, <laughs> I'm just honored to have an executive producer credit. That's that's exciting. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. official. We announced it on a podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, we announced fantastic. it on the Instagram that you are uh, executive producer of this podcast, so... Well, I mean, really, it's it's my um, it's my subsidiary company, uh, Jasmine Incorporated, <laughs> Jasmine Productions, Jasmine Media. Um, uh, she's a she's a bitch of a of a taskmaster, but um, she keeps us all in check. She you know? really does. She and uh, keep, keeps us fed. You know, if you're uh, if you're not in the know, Jasmine <laughs> is Scott's cat, and we do yes. record in her house. Yeah, so. it's, it's her studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just rent space in here. So, um, well, are you ready to talk about uh, sex workers rights? I am. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk. I mean, I, I love sex and I love workers and I love rights. <laughs> you know, I, I like two of those things <laughs> and I'll let you guess which ones. Um, just kidding. Everyone knows that I hate work. <laughs> oh, I hate I hate work. I, but I love workers. Oh, OK. Yeah. Because typically, I mean, that's someone who's doing something that I'm not doing. Oh, you know? so, I see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I work. I have a job. But, you know, when I speak of workers, that's generally someone who's ah, it's someone else's job. You know, yes. So. The workers. Yeah. do that. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah. Sex workers rights is something I don't have a lot of knowledge about. So right. I, I'll preface this by saying that, like, I know it's an issue that's uh it's out there and it's a hot issue it's, it's having a moment right now yeah. i see people on social media saying support sex workers sex mm-hmm. workers rights and i have watched a documentary about the whole takedown of craigslist and Backpage. yep and i've heard i listen to some podcasts where drag queens are hosts and a lot of my favorite drag queens are former sex workers yeah and so they explain how like they benefited from having use of um craigslist and Backpage when they were sex workers um but that's kind of my limited knowledge of the issue Mm -hmm. of it so i'm not sure where we should begin to unpack this well i can i'll start by saying that i i come to this issue uh from from the customer perspective so i have I have patronized sex workers in my life. Okay. Um, which is, a, I realize that it's a controversial thing to say. Well, um. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's almost like the male form of abortion, where like more <laughs> more women than you know have had abortions, but right. we're not supposed to talk about it, right? We're supposed right. to be ashamed of it. One in three women have had an abortion, but you don't know anyone who admits to it. Um yeah. Spoiler alert, I've totally had one. Um, but I think it's one of the, it's similar for men where so many men that I know have used sex workers, mm-hmm. but they don't admit it or are ashamed to admit it because you're, sure. it's, you're not supposed to do it. Yeah. But you do it, which is, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, it's, it's illegal and, uh, it's also, you know, I mean, in our, in our society and our, in our mores, if I can use that word, it, it, it is considered immoral as well. 
Um, and I, I think yeah. similar to abortion, <laughs> where it's something that people see as character defining. Yes. Like instead of being like, yeah, I, I got pregnant. I didn't want to have a child. I had an abortion. I moved on with my life. Yeah. It didn't fundamentally change who I am as a person, but people see it as that. Like this, mm. you did this one thing and now you're a totally different person in their eyes. And it's the same with sex work. If a, if a guy sees a sex worker once, people are like, Oh, he, you know, Saw a professional <laughs> and it's there is a it stigmatizes. Yeah, I think once and he's forgiven uh, when it's <laughs> kind of a, a a regular thing with a guy. You're, you're less likely to find guys who admit to that. Um, it's something that I'll say that I never admitted it until I met. Um, well, a friend of mine that you introduced me to a mutual friend of ours. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And he was very open about you know, being like a regular patron of sex workers. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've done it, too. And, um, it, you know, I was like, oh, you you talk about this? Because he, he's pretty open about it. He's very open about yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of, uh, you know, made me feel a little more liberated about it. And also I do, I mean, I when the whole, um, that Robert Kraft thing happened, the owner of the oh, Patriots mm -hmm. was just busted for, you know, um, basically getting serviced at a massage parlor. Uh, that brought this into the into the uh, into the news cycle again, um, and there are a lot of politicians that are talking about it. Uh, AOC is pro decriminalization, and uh, we like her. We well, we love her. Yeah, she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I will say also that because I am I can I consider myself a good person. Uh, you, the listener, may not at this point, but but I consider myself a good person who believes in everyone's uh, you know basic rights and freedoms. Mm -hmm. um, for me, uh, you know, it's it's a tricky situation because it's like uh, I don't want to support. I have to be. I'm very careful about who I see because I do not want to support um, a uh, like a pimp or uh, any organization or person that is like you know entrapping in, in someone or forcing someone or trafficking someone. Uh, you know, I only see. Uh, voluntary people that are doing this voluntarily, yeah. which as you, which I know there's people that are, that are rolling their eyes saying like, Oh, how can you know that? Well, after a, oh, trust me, after a while, you know, you, you get, can, you yeah. can tell whether someone is doing something independently of their own free will or whether yes. they're in a bad yeah. situation. Well, you get to know people as you become, uh, I really only see one person now anymore. She's my regular and, um, I know her very well. We're actually friends outside of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go places, we, we do things together uh, sometimes she'll just call me and and say like hey do you want to go to the casino or something and i'll say yeah and there's no money involved in this like i don't give her money to gamble you know what i mean like we just you go just together yeah we hang out like she buys her own drinks and everything you know uh so yeah i mean it's like there um and there's an oft-repeated um phrase or catchphrase that like lawmakers and legislators like to say when they try to basically tell you that that you know there's no such thing as a voluntary sex worker, you know, someone who's doing it voluntarily, they're like, well, no one dreams of being a sex worker to which I say, well, no one dreams of working at Walmart either. I mean, no one dreams of most of the jobs that we have. That but you, is, but you um, do the job that you do, you know, <laughs> every time I read a book, uh, by a former sex worker and I wish I could remember the name of the book, but this woman, she grew up, her parents were both like mentally ill, like halfway house mentally ill. Mm -hmm. 
And she ended up being on her own at 15 and she became a sex worker and she was a sex worker until she was almost 30. Um, She went on to get a master's degree in sociology and then she wrote this book from a very unique perspective and um, it hit really close to home to me, her talking about her experience as a sex worker and um, feeling like she was less than or this was her like her class this was her cast and she couldn't break free of it because almost every feeling that she articulated about being a sex worker is how i feel about being a bartender and being like do i even know how to function in quote-unquote mainstream society anymore Mm -hmm. can i get a real job will i be like Will I be faking it if I get a a real job because, like, I'll just be fooling everyone because I'm this lesser person and I don't belong in this environment? And, like, because it is stigmatized work and you are told that if you have this working class position that you are less than and, like, yeah, no one dreams of being a sex worker. I started college when I was 16. I didn't think that this was going to be my life, you know, that I'm 34 years old and I'm a bartender and I'm I'm seeing and hearing some really ugly things and I'm having people mm. say really ugly, gross things to me and like putting their hands on me and I'm yeah. cleaning up their vomit. Like that's not my dream either, but it right. it is work and it's what I have to do to keep a roof over my head and to, you know, food in my belly. And so, yeah, when people are like, like, yeah, like basically the, the same unfortunate situ- <laughs> circumstances that lead someone to sex work lead people to be bartenders or waiters or work at Walmart. Yeah. And so the idea that like that's the only profession that there's tr- there could be tragedy behind someone ending up there. Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts where I'm like, man, like, isn't it unfortunate that like my sexuality is so sacred to me because mm. – you know that a year ago I was living in my mom's garage working at a movie theater and I couldn't Mm. put gas in my car. Like, and so being like, yeah, the, uh, you know, listening to podcasts where like uh, one of my favorite drag queens, Willem, when he wanted to, uh, as a teenager, move out of the shitty fucking town he lived in with his shitty fucking family. He hooked for, I think he said it a year and was able to put aside like, or maybe it was like six months because he's real pretty. But he <laughs> hooked until he got $10,000. So he was wow, able to yeah. not just move to L.A. and like take a bus and have a backpack. But he was able to move to L.A., get an apartment, get transportation so that he could then go to auditions to pursue his career as an actor. Mm. And it's like, yeah, $10,000 would change my life in terms of wanting to pursue opportunities. Yeah. Because like – I don't want to live in Arizona. And so I'm like living in my mom's garage and wishing that I lived in California and being like, if I had $10,000, I could do this. I could pursue my dream. Um, And so it's like, yeah, I'm being, I'm servicing people all day at work. So what's the difference? (laughs) Like (laughs) those are thoughts that I've had that I'm like, is there really any different? Because I'm, I'm playing a role. I always say I give as a bartender, I give people the friendship experience Yeah, where Mm -hmm. I am on and I am acting and I'm pretending to be a different person and I'm filling a role in their life where they're lonely and they want friends and the cute girl is humoring them. 
Yeah. And I'm doing it for money. Yeah. So is that any different than sex work? Uh, no, it's emotionally, it's, it's, it's almost exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a phys- there's physical differences. There's, obviously, there are but, physical yeah. differences, but like, yeah, Emo- emotionally, I would say it's identical. Yeah, some you know, when I work a sixteen, I work two jobs and I, it's a sixteen hour day, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, I did all that to make three hundred dollars, and like sex workers can make a lot more in a lot less time. And so I've had times where I'm like, that seems like actually a better, more respectable job than what <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just the the sad part about it is that. You like, you know, if you uh, change careers at some point in your life, you can tell people that like, oh, yeah, I was a bartender for, you know, for years, you know, I bartended for 10 years or whatever. And uh, most sex workers that become something else, eventually they it's not a topic they ever bring up. You know, they either have some sort of lie Mm -hmm. that they default to or they just gloss over that part of their their history. And also, I want to say that I'm not. I am not recommending that Yeah, everyone should go out and be a, like, def, if you're a young woman, you should be a sex worker. Like, no, I'm not saying that. But we're saying it's, yeah. it's a profession like anything else. It is a profession. And like, yeah. talk about the stigma people have about your past career and uh, to bring back AOC, mm-hmm. the sort of things that people have said to her about like, you know, because she was a bartender. Yeah. And other politicians have like tweeted like terrible things to her being like well this is coming from the mouth of a bartender so can we only imagine if a sex worker made it to congress (laughs) well made it into any professional field and it's like oh they have we just don't know about it. we just don't know about it because yeah like cheryl doesn't whatever she says in the boardroom doesn't matter she's Mm -hmm. she sucked dick for money once exactly and it's like yeah you fucking like especially like where it's people who when the um what was his name the patriot's owner oh craft Robert Kraft. Yeah. when robert craft got busted like people at my bar were sitting and talking like oh this is so terrible blah 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 and i'm like you get fucking drunk and pick your kids up from school like <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. i i know you do coke so like you're doing you're going to like shady fucking places and buying illegal drugs and doing them and like like you do shitty things regularly yeah so like Let's not throw stones about like someone seeing a professional for sex needs because somehow yeah. that's like the one taboo. Everything else is fine. Right. Hitting your wife, getting so drunk <laughs> you piss yourself on the couch, like whatever it is. But I would never pay someone for sex. Like, come on. Yeah. And I think um, there's uh, just. Uh, for me also right now because it's such a like an issue that's out in the open and I think what people are starting to become aware of and what I hope to raise awareness of is that there's definitely a difference there's a huge difference between sex work and sex trafficking so the way that um uh there's an organization called SWAP which is the sex workers um organization something <laughs> I should probably remember what that stands for but I don't but it's a organ it's basically a union of sex workers and um you know, what their stance is, is that all sex work is voluntary. If it's not voluntary, then it's slavery, and that is illegal. Okay. And and immoral. So, like, trafficking would be slavery and is definitely, you know, wrong uh, because, uh, I mean, while there probably are some weird-ass men out there that want that want to buy someone who doesn't want to do this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I am not one of those men, you know, and uh, quite the opposite. So, um I mean, I think ideally most men would want to see someone who wants to be doing it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I hope so. I mean, for me, I, I I started this 
I started down this path because uh, I w- and this is I think important to, for me to tell because I think a lot of people have the image of someone who patronizes a sex worker is someone like Robert Kraft who's like a billionaire you know what I mean mm-hmm. who's like I'm just I'm just going to get my dick sucked you know because I'm a billionaire uh, for me and uh, and I know this is true of, of other of a lot of other guys actually is that I had uh, a lot of um, sexual um, un unself confidence, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like I, I just was not a very you know confident person with the ladies, and um, and I I went through a long period of time where I didn't have sex at all, you know, like years. I would just just watch porn and masturbate, and that was it. And I was kind of like I was reaching a point where I'm like I think this is going to be my whole life. Like I need some way to like have sex because it's a yeah. desire. It's a human desire, yeah. and I would say need. Yeah, and also to to do it in a way, in a safe way, to where it's like you know, if things don't go well, whatever. You know, like if I can't, you know, if I if I if I can't get it up, or it's just not a good experience, you know, anything like that. It's like I'm I'm not going to feel humiliated because this is. It's, it's a, not going to be someone that you're going to yeah. have to <laughs> see in the break room at yeah. work or like whatever, and exactly. like. Mm-hmm that's something that I can relate to. I think we talked about it on our trepanation episode that like when I was trying to find a rub and tug place that did ladies, it was because Uh, like I had gotten out of an abusive relationship and I was trying to get back out there dating, but I didn't, I didn't really like or feel safe with anyone that I was meeting. And it was like, I don't want to give this very, very vulnerable part of myself. Like, mm-hmm. I feel very vulnerable being sexual with someone. And, like, I don't want to give this – I don't want to be this vulnerable around some dude I met on OkCupid. Yeah. Like, he's not the right person. Right. Like, I'm horny and I want human touch and I want affection. But, like, you know, fucking Jerry from the internet isn't mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then whatever happens, if it's weird, if I want to stop because it's triggering. Yeah. Like, I'm going to feel like I can't do that because I need to make him happy or mm. whatever. And it just was like, at that point in my life, sex was like a very vulnerable touchy thing yeah and if you're in a professional environment it's a lot more straightforward yes where you're like if i want to stop i can say let's just stop never mind whatever because you know you're kind of steering it in terms of like this person's a professional and also whatever i'm bringing to the table they've seen it all yeah and that counts for a lot yeah you know it's what i think about because i have to go to like Uh butthole doctors yeah and like my safety comes in that like <clears throat> they've seen it all. Yeah. They've looked up many a holes yeah. and they know what they're doing. They're like doctors. And yeah, I mean, for me, it was a way to gain uh, confidence, self-confidence and to feel better about myself because it was like, well, they don't care, you know, what my size is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If I'm if I'm overweight, like I feel, you know, like fat and disgusting, you know, and 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 short and ugly and all these things, all these negative images about myself. But it's like they don't care. And, um, yeah, cause you're never going to be, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is you're insecure about there, you're not, you're never going to be the most of that that they've ever seen. Yeah. And the ironic thing is, is that I had all these negative self images about myself, but when I started seeing, um, sex workers and, uh, I mean, not all, but like there's some that you get to know pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, that you go back to and, and they seem to really actually enjoy having me. Like I became like what, like, 
you know, one of their favorite clients just because I was such a nice person. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, well, you know, I don't do anything weird. I don't, I'm not violent. You know what I mean? I, I'm just, I'm just like, I guess pretty normal sex, but also I'm just very nice and I'm, and I'm always like, you're you know, a well-mannered person. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I, cause I was going there for a specific reason, you know? And, uh, so as a result of that, like I, I became pretty friendly with, with several and, and, and at least, um, you know, I consider myself almost in a relationship with one of them, which sounds weird. I know, but it's like, again, we are friends and we spend time mm-hmm. outside of, you know, but it's just like, she has a, she has a job. She's a single mother. Um, she has a job. This is her job that she does. You know, mm-hmm. she's, I know her history. She was doing, she was working as a telemarketer before she got into this. So that's an awful job. Yeah. And she met an older woman who used to be a sex worker and she, you know, told her like, you know, like you're pretty attractive. Like you could, you could do this, you know, and she kind of showed her the ropes, you know, kind of gave her the, the, you know, she was like a mentor to her. And, um, and my, I'll just call her Candy. And Candy was like, yeah, I'll try that. And she started making a lot of money. And it was really good for her and her daughter. So. Yeah, she's able to provide for yeah. her daughter, but also spend time with her. Yes. And this is something that people who don't have children don't know about. Mm-hmm. But if you have a full-time job and you have to put your child in daycare because they're not Extremely old enough, yeah. it's over $1,000 a month. Yeah. So like most people who have like a mid-level job mm-hmm. – make $2,000 a month. They're taking home $2,000 a month. And 1100 of that is going to daycare. Yeah. And so it is an impossible situation to be in. Um, I know people who they are a dual income household and it still is devastating to yeah. have to pay for daycare. And so single mothers are really in between a rock and a hard place. Not a lot of employers provide daycare. Like, and so just the cost of having a kid is, it's impossible. And so this becomes a valid option. Um, Yeah, yeah, indeed. And if it's, and you know, and again, it's not for everyone, you know, like you, you yourself don't want to do it. And and, and that's understandable. Some people, they can just handle it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, I'm very, I'm, Like, number one, my sexuality is very sacred to me. And, like, mm-hmm. for me, that's something that's, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's very personal. Um, But for other people, they have a thicker skin. Yeah. And I say that in terms of, like, I know people who are a lot better at being bartenders than I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend laughs at, like, how I just don't have the disposition for being a professional bartender. <laughs> I can turn it on and I yeah. can perform while I'm at work, but, like, the bullshit seeps in and rattles me yeah. in a way that it doesn't other people. Right. And it's why I didn't do well in New York because I'm, like, I'm too permeable of a person. Mm-hmm. I'm not tough i'm not thick-skinned like things get to me more yeah um and so you know i just that's not how i am but other people are able to like um what would compartmentalize there we go thank you they're (laughs) able to compartmentalize and be like i'm gonna get in i'm gonna get paid and then i'm gonna go raise my family yeah and like good for them and on the flip side of that coin, there's a lot of men that are not capable of being Johns. Uh, like I've talked to guys uh, as, as I've been, as I've be- started to become more open about this with guys, uh, you know, a lot of guys have told me like, oh, I could never do that. Like I, and, and some men have told me this more than one where they're like, I, I couldn't even get excited in that situation. 
And I was like, well, it's so funny you say that because I was in a place where I couldn't get excited with a, with a normal yeah. <laughs> girl because I was too nervous and too mm-hmm. anxious of, of failing. You know what I mean? There's like this, we live in a world of like that's soaked in porn and, and, and porn is like, you know, these sex superstars. Mm-hmm. And so you can start, I think both men and women can feel like inadequate to the task, you know? And, uh, so I was definitely feeling inadequate. So I, I was like, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't perform with a regular woman. So I, I had to do this, but some men it's like, no, I, I couldn't. And I was like, I totally get, you know, everyone's different and that's, yeah. that's fine. Uh, the bottom line is that by criminalizing this entire enterprise, it really makes it so much more dangerous for people like Candy, for people like that drag queen you mentioned, because they can't they can't make their working environment as safe as they need it to be because they can't obviously report to the police when things happen to them because it, yeah. they're, because they're a criminal. They're engaging in an illegal activity. Yeah. So, it, you know, if, if somebody robs them or, or beats them or both, you know, they can't go to the police and be like, well, I was, you know, charging, charging for sex and this is what happened. Well, you know, and so. that's why, um, you know, the mortality rate is like four times higher for sex workers yeah. than it is for normal women. And a lot of, uh, murderers and rapists, they target them because they are marginalized. Yes. And then the crimes go unreported when a, pro- there, the system is getting better about this, but historically when a prostitute went missing, it wasn't taken seriously or seriously yeah. investigated by the police, which is why a lot of serial killers yeah. left a trail hmm. of you know, dead sex workers before they were ever caught. Yeah. Um, because they target there and there was one serial killer in the Chicagoland area who he um targeted young black women and young black women sex workers and he operated for 30 years wow because it just wasn't taken seriously or investigated because the police don't focus on that um and so the interesting thing is i watched this documentary which is not good um called lot lizard on amazon the other night and Hmm. um it's about women who work truck Truck stops. stops yeah and um you know, they're talking about being raped, which is like basically a John does something they didn't agree to. Like maybe right. they agreed agreed to suck and the guy, you know, rapes them or yeah. the guy beats them up and steals their money. But like they don't have any recourse because. Yeah. But what do you do and go, oh, this guy said he would pay me for sex and then he fucked me and he stole my purse. Yeah. Like you, you don't report that to the cops. And that's. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it so awful. And. That's actually what makes – so was it last year Congress passed the SESTA-FOSTA Act? I, it was, I think it was last year. Yeah, uh, which basically essentially was a was a bill that shut down Backpage.com really mm-hmm. is, what, is really what it did. And um, which Backpage.com, if you don't know, was a website that was sort of like Craigslist and that you could like buy a couch <laughs> you know, or something like that or, or find a roommate but also was uh, frequently used – by sex workers to advertise their services and mm-hmm. was frequently used by customers, by Johns, to to find. And the reason why it was actually a good thing in a lot of ways is because sex workers who were working on the street or in truck stops, like you were saying, are in a very dangerous, precarious situation. It's dark. They're alone. Yeah. It's nighttime. And there's no way to screen who your clients yeah. are. Whereas when you're going through the online process, it's funny, like when I first met uh, Candy... Um, well, after we had like 
hung out a few times, had a few dates, and we got to know each other. We were like actually on our way somewhere. I was taking her to her to her dad's house one night. She's like, "Can you drop me off at my dad's house?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So, um, and uh, she mentioned that when I had contacted her, that she she knew that I was verified because what? they basically are able to they share information. Uh, they is what so like when I if I if you send a text or you call somebody, they run your phone number through like a network of other sex workers. It's, and where is this network housed? It's it's a, there's a number of websites that do it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so basically like they uh they're able to say like, "Oh, like if, if she saw my number and I said like, "Hey, how are you? Are you available?" She would run my number and if it was if it was a bunch of red flags like do don't contact this guy, you know, then she wouldn't even respond to me. But basically, I had a good reputation, <laughs> so yeah. she was able to. So that's how she said, "Yeah, let's make an appointment," and that's how I got into my first. So it's kind of like those websites where you know when you get a mystery number that calls you, you yeah. Google it, and it's like the "Who called me?" and you right. can see people saying like, "Oh, it's actually this place," or "It's a scammer," or yeah. you know this or that. So, so I, so it's like sex workers on the street can't do that. It's just a car pulls up and it's like, "Get in!" And, and by the time yeah. they get a good or uh, a bad feeling about that person, it's, it's too, too late. late. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so by basically shutting down Backpage, uh, they they made it more difficult. Now, there's other websites that have cropped up, which I'm not even going to name. No. <laughs> but um, there are other websites that are kind of filling the gap now. Okay. But there was a um, – and there's also uh, – this I will mention, so everyone knows what Twitter is, but there's also another version called Twitter, which is actually like Twitter for sex workers. Oh. It was actually created by a sex worker. And it's basically kind of a replacement. For, it is a replacement for um, for Backpage. So basically, you can go on there. But it's really it's it's ran and monitored by sex workers. It's kind of like a sex worker union. Okay. So it's really cool. So they're really good about like you know blocking bad guys off of it. You know what I mean? Like kind uh-huh. of deplatforming them or whatever. So um, that's a great that's a great platform, and I hope it continues to do well. I hope it doesn't get you know busted. Um, another thing I will mention that was that I read about uh, Backpage is that there was actually a lot of law enforcement agencies around the country that were that were upset that Backpage got shut down because the reason why they shut down Backpage was they said it was hosting trafficking. There were like girls that were basically being forced on there. Yeah, there uh, was a documentary and I want to say it was on Netflix and it was called like Young Hot Girls for Sale or something. Yeah. And it focused on a case of this one woman whose 14 year old daughter ended up being trafficked like yeah daughter ran away she ended up being trafficked the mother saw pictures of her on craigslist right or back page and was horrified and like whatever they worked to rescue the daughter and so the mother you know became politicized from this yeah tragic thing as you would yeah. and she focused rather on what had happened in the home that led the daughter to run away and mm-hmm. what the guy who manipulated the daughter and put her into yeah. sex work did rather than focusing on like the dynamics that allowed this to happen. Yeah. She focused on the platform that it was, the ads were hosted on sure. and she worked with Congress and like was part of creating that bill yeah. to take down these websites, which is a bummer because they, they took down all Craigslist personals, which includes misconnections. And I really enjoyed yeah. that. You made an appearance in there. You and have more, more than once. More than once. Yeah. People, people be missing me. Um, but, uh, people want to connect with you. Sydney. They just really do. But, uh, yeah, even people in my real life, yeah. like, they want to get closer to me. Sure. And I think that's always a bad move because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't can't reach out and grab me. I'll hiss. Yeah, um, just like Jasmine. Just like Jasmine. But um, but, so but yeah. But what I was gonna say is that uh, 
Backpage was really good at working with law enforcement in those situations where if, uh, like, for example, if, if uh, a parent were to call the police, like, say, in Milwaukee, and they're like, my, my 14-year-old daughter went missing, the police would, uh, they would check Backpage, and they would also call Backpage, mm-hmm. and they would be like, hey, we're looking for this girl, this is what she looks like, and they would, like, basically send pictures to Backpage, and Backpage would do, like, a complete nationwide search for them and and try to find them, and they and if they did find them, they would alert you know, say they would call Milwaukee police and say, "Oh yeah, we found we found that girl, and she's uh, in San Diego." And they would arrange a sting and get her back. Well, now that that's gone, there's no there's reference. no way to get those girls back. So a lot of cops actually were really bummed about Backpage Beach because they're like, like they actually worked really well with the police. Um, um, and, and we should yeah. say the <laughs> the reason the websites were taken down was because what that law did was it made the company the owner of the website criminally responsible yes. for ads of criminal activity. So if you own Backpage.com and someone is sex trafficked on your site, you are held criminally responsible for sex trafficking, even though you just own the platform that it happens on. And so what it did was it caused websites to freak out, take down all personals. It's... um. It's affected AshleyMadison.com. Yeah. It's affected Tumblr, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Tumblr. I I just love Tumblr as an artist. It's really good for visual inspiration. I follow a lot of artists and museums on it. Um, it's also a great place for porn if you're into porn hum- Tumblr. Hmm, and I didn't know that. Yeah, Tumblr is like lit for porn. <laughs> and you can follow blogs that will reblog porn that is like up your genre or alley. Mm. And it's where I host Seniorotica, my senior citizen erotica <laughs> oh, website. <yeah. laughs> and um, which I haven't checked in with. I got a notice a terms of service violation when Tumblr decided to take down all explicit content. Oh wow. Which was the root of like a lot of what was on that site was ho- but they basically freaked out about being held criminally responsible. And then it became they just flagged and took down everything, yeah. cartoon illustrations that had nipples in them, <laughs> you know, classic works of art that featured nudes. Their mm. algorithms flagged everything because they don't want to be held criminally responsible. And so the the law, though well-intentioned, what it's done is it's hurt a lot of people because it's pushed yeah. sex work further underground and it's, like you said, affected law enforcement and it's you know, made it harder for sex workers to filter out who their potential clients are. And then it's also Mm. just like people who were doing innocent activities on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) They've been taken away. Um, So it's, it's not a great law. Nobody's innocent on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it was well-intentioned, but it was a very flawed idea to be like, if we take away these platforms for advertising for sexual services, that we're going to stop sex trafficking. Because that it, that it very clearly does nothing to stop sex trafficking. No, it doesn't. Sex trafficking yeah. has been happening before the internet was a thing. Exactly. Yeah, and it and it's going to continue to happen. And and I am definitely a you know all for anything that will that that will stop it, as I think we all are. Yeah. Um. But I think the biggest thing that we can do prostitution basically needs to be treated the way that we're starting finally starting to treat we, uh, weed which is like we need to admit to ourselves that 
people are going to do this mm-hmm. and we need to just stop giving a fuck <laughs> uh-huh. and and make it not a you know I mean we have all these people that were in prison you know for stupid weed possession charges and that was we all agreed that was a waste of time and money yeah. and effort and lives and i think we basically need to re- come to the same agreement about uh, about sex work which is like this this shit isn't going away it's the oldest profession like we need to decriminalize it regulate it you know keep the women safe and um and make it just a, a place where like if it's a, if it's a work if it's a type of work that you choose to do you can do it safely and it'll all work out for everyone which so. is yeah <laughs> it's the it's the traditional thing of like when you bring things into the light you can yeah. make them safer and, and you can tax it <laughs> and you can tax it which is great and that's created a booming economy for weed yeah. and if you look <laughs> at the difference between um in Mexico, like the way the drug cartels are so violent and they own yeah. whole mm-hmm. cities and people die and it is so crazy and dangerous, like just to get the weed into the United States, like that is just the border issues that happen and the mm. dead bodies found from the drug wars. Like that's just insane. Um, and now we're moving to a point where. Um, it's becoming legal and it's much safer and it's on grow farms and stuff. Yeah. Um, the, I think maybe the danger is so weed has been really successful, um, legislatively and economically because it costs a lot of money to get a license to become a dispensary. And yeah. it's become now this like business realm of the elites. Yeah. Like you need millions of dollars of assets just to get started in a weed business. Wow. Um, yeah, it's insane. Just the mm. licensing and stuff. And there are a lot of people who have written great works about how, you know, there's still black people in prison for nonviolent weed offenses, but now some rich white guy is, <laughs> is selling it legally. Is selling yeah. it legally. <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's very typical of the United yeah. States, but sex work because the women work as independent contractors, yeah. I think will have a slower role in getting legalized because you won't have these giant companies, you know, spending millions of dollars lobbying to get it legalized yeah. because it's women being self-employed. Yeah. And if you think of the way like hairdressers work, most of them are self-employed. They're independent contractors. If cutting hair was illegal, it would be really, really hard for them to like turn the tides on that until they made it somewhere where there's a, you know, a big rich person at the top mm-hmm. and they're investing because they're going to make money off of all these people at the bottom. Yeah. And so, you know, the business structure of it being independence is uh i think gonna slow the role in getting legislation pushed to legalize it if i articulated that well yeah it totally makes sense uh because it it seems like you know nevada is a good example where it's sort of like the weed industry because uh, that's the only place in america where it is legal prostitution Mm -hmm. is legal outside of las vegas and uh most of the brothels uh Actually, a good chunk of them were owned by one guy, this guy Dennis Hoff, who just oh, died. Who just yes. died recently? Uh-huh. Yeah, but I mean, he was basically your typical rich white businessman, you know, millionaire, you know, multimillionaire, uh, ran ran for political office, and uh, he died and still won. Actually, that was in twenty wow. seventeen. Yeah. So, but um, uh, but I think if you do, if we follow the New Zealand model, so New Zealand actually, what they did a few years ago is they just decriminalized it. They basically just said. It's not illegal. Like, we're not going to regulate it in any way yet, but mm-hmm. we're just, you know, they're going to kind of stud, they're studying it right now. But they basically said, we're not going to make it illegal, meaning, you know, like you're getting caught with a bag of weed, you're not going to go to jail anymore. Yeah. So if you're a woman and you're selling sex, whether it's on the internet or on the street, 
it's we're not going to arrest you for it anymore. Uh-huh. So uh, they started doing that, and they they started studying it, and immediately. Their, the rates of uh, violent crimes against women, or sex crimes, I should say, in general, dropped, uh, I mean, a lot in New Zealand. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were all the scholars and people that study these things and social scientists were really confused about this. And there's been a lot of debate as, well, why did this, well, you know, why? why? And I think there's probably several reasons why, but also I say it doesn't really matter why. But it <laughs> well, worked. It worked. And we need to just take a lesson from that, take a page from that book, you know, mm-hmm. that if it decreases uh, sexual violence against women uh, or others, you know, like uh, like uh, homosexual sex workers or drag queens, whatever, then it, it's a good thing. It's positive. Yeah, so, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, maybe the the conclusion that we need to draw from everyone here is that not only does not not only does outlawing prostitution not make it go away, but it actually makes it very, very dangerous for the people who are yes practicing it. And in a in a in a kind society, <laughs> we want to keep people safe. That's not how our society really works because we <laughs> yeah. don't have universal health care yeah. or um, standardized education that's good for everyone. Um, because you know <laughs> yeah don't even MAGA. Get me, don't even get me started with like our school system yeah we're like <laughs> that's a whole nother episode <laughs> yeah uh so but like for for an idealist that you you want your society to be healthy and safe and well and if this criminalizing um sex work makes it dangerous and now like just pushing it further underground it's like making sex workers like not be like not be able to advertise online is like the sort of thing of like oh just put your beer in a brown bag yeah and we're gonna pretend that yeah. you're not drinking yeah like, <laughs> exactly it doesn't i don't know yeah i mean it's just uh it's like pro and prohibition went into effect we that created al capone right i mean mm-hmm. it created uh, it created all the violence that existed in, in Chicago at that time, which I think is still, I think the murder rate in Chicago, you know, Chicago has a very high murder rate right now, but I think during Prohibition it was actually worse. Really? Yeah, I mean, it was insane because it was, you, you made a product that literally everyone in the country uses uh-huh. <laughs> illegal overnight. And so you created these drug lords, you know, alcohol mm-hmm. barons, you know, Al Capone being the biggest, most well-known one, but there were there were hundreds of others, you know, all across the in every city in America. It was like basically what you have with the cartels in Mexico yeah. now. And I, I, what I don't get, what I don't understand is why lawmakers don't learn from history and and just and just realize the fact that everyone's going to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going to get fucked up. And everyone's going to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just never going to go away. Like this, like everyone wants to do some sort of drug uh, and or get laid, you know, and uh, and you need to just basically and when you criminalize that stuff, you create El Chapo, Al Capone, this Dennis Hoff guy in Nevada. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you, when you criminalize things, you create criminals, you create mm-hmm. these criminal empires, you know, and you create the violence that goes around that as they compete with each other. Whereas if you if it's decriminalized, you have normal competition, you know, which all these capitalist lawmakers seem to love, right? They love competition, mm-hmm. they love capitalism. So it's like, well, make the most of it. You well, know? that's yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say like moralizing has no place yeah. in um, in law or medicine. And so like just because you don't like something doesn't mean that you should make it illegal. If that were true, I would be trying to get 
white people with dreadlocks made illegal, <laughs> but because it does offend me yeah. deeply. Yes. But it also doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. So I just have to let it go. Yeah. And so like I don't drink. Mm-hmm. So I don't go to bars. Yeah. You know, and I don't hang out with people like when I don't go to parties where people are getting wasted. Like I just don't I don't do it because right. it's not for me. You know, I'm like very uncomfortable with mm-hmm. like a lot of like open sexuality, which is another reason I don't like bars <laughs> or I don't go to like I, I have friends who go to like sexy, like burlesque like Mm, things like that like i'm just so i'm very uncomfortable with that yeah um and so yeah it's things are going to be happening around you that you don't like but making it illegal doesn't make it go away and it also hurts people yeah so like if you are against abortion don't get one yeah but making it illegal drives women to get them illegally and they die yeah and it's horrific and so you're just like if it's not for you it's not for you yeah I mean, like I said, there's there's plenty of there are you know women and men on on both sides of the of the fence when it comes to prostitution. You know, I mean, either they, the those that will and those that absolutely won't, and that's fine. You know, I don't like drugs. I don't like weed. Everyone is always trying to get me to try a different strain. It's like, oh, you've just had a bad strain. Yeah, we, those we've, are the we've, worst people. We've had this conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like. I just don't like weed and like people, some people refuse to accept that. And they're like, no, no, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, I don't want to try your weed. I've tried all the weeds. Yeah. I've tried them all. I've, I've eaten it. I've smoked it, all that. I don't like it. It's not for me. Yeah. That's fine. But you know, uh, I will pay for sex. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, like, yeah, I people all the time like are trying to like, oh, Sid, you want to eat this? You're really missing out. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know what? It's just not for me. Yeah. Like chicken wings and French fries yeah, just yeah. aren't for me because I like to wake up feeling energized. Yeah, and I want to have a flat stomach. Like I, it's just not for me. I do not like superhero movies. I don't like any of these comic book movies. I don't like Marvel. I, I don't like any of it. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. outlaw them. Uh, no, I don't like, I don't give a shit. I'm just not going to go why? see them. <laughs> they'll it'll push them underground and they'll start being yeah. made as independent films and it'll be just bad for It'll everyone. be like these Iron Man gangs roaming the streets. Yeah, yeah. it's just not going to be good. We don't need that. Um so yeah, sex workers <laughs> are people. They have rights and we should respect them as workers because Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, happy hump day. Yeah. You guys have a great hump day. 